Well, welcome to the presence of the Lord. If Jesus isn't ever here, we don't need to show up. We don't want to show up. But when he's here, it's worth everything. It's worth everything. This morning, I feel a special message, a timely message for America, for the world, for God's kids. I believe that any time you speak for the Lord, you should speak with the confidence you're speaking for God. That's what Peter says. If anybody speaks for God, let him speak as an oracle of God. And we're believing this morning by faith. Everything we do in Jesus is by faith that amounts to anything. So unless we have faith, we cannot be pleasing to God. So even when we speak, we need the faith to believe that what we're saying is going to penetrate the hearts of men. That doesn't matter whether it's the preacher, pastor, or the preacher employee that works as a God's kid in your place of business. You speak for Jesus. You touch the world for him. Do you not know you're the light of the world? He wasn't talking to the pastors. Yes, not just the pastors. He was talking to God's kids. You're a city set on a hill. Cannot be hid. You're the salt of the earth. Man alive. If we believed half of what we read in the Bible... This is why, oh, that we could have faith to believe what God tells us. Do you really believe you're God's beloved and you're beautiful and he weeps over you and sings over you with, with, with tears and rejoicing? Can you believe that? Oh, that you and I would know the depth and the riches of God's love. It's uncomprehendable how much he loves you and I. We need to have faith in the love of God. I know Susie, one of the biggest struggles in our marriage is her believing how much I really love her. She has struggled with that all her life. Now, part of it's the way I act. <laughs> so you can't blame her. Not like I'm Jesus, you know. But even Jesus is perfect, and you don't believe how much he loves you. What's your problem? Come on, bride, you know. And it's frustrating for a husband when the wife doesn't believe how much. Well, then I have to prove it. I should show it. But Jesus has already done all that. How much does he love you? This much. Well, this morning, I feel like I have some pastoral things I want to share with you before we get started. This is an intentional little plug from the pulpit. First off, we've had a Hispanic church that's been meeting here for probably eight years. And uh, we have grown to the point that when they finally were going to move their pastor, who'd been here, Pastor Marcos Sasuita, for eight years, and my dear friend and his wife, Yolanda, when they were going to move them to Rupert to take Daniel and Nina's place, no, they you know, switching, that um, we felt like it was a season to say, hey, love you, give them the right foot of fellowship. No, not really. We, we loved them and we, we blessed them on the way out, but they, they felt it was okay in time. We were more and more interrupting their service to say, we need the building. So it was just the time of the Lord. Just FYI, in case you didn't know that, that there was a Hispanic church meeting here, then I didn't need to make this announcement. <laughs> if two years from now you go, where are the Hispanic church pastor? You know, I wanted you to know. And they're doing great. They found a place uh, within the time. We said, hey, why don't you take two or three months? Uh, we waived their last month rent. We blessed their pastor. We, we said we love you. We do love them. And uh, the way we treat them will pay off when we get to heaven and they look at us and hug us up there. So we do an eternal thing here. We believe in loving other bodies of Christ. But we, we've made that decision based on our need, our growth, and we knew God, if he loved them and they were his church, he'd 
we felt in prayer it was fine. God took care of him. I want to say thank you to Pastor Daniel and Nina for what you say. Nina didn't speak. Yes, she did. Nina sits there and prays that her husband doesn't embarrass her. It was not an easy service for the pastor's wife. It's never a freebie for the pastor's wife. She's always going, oh, dear God, bless my husband. Is that close, Nina? Yes. Okay, thank you. I know the wife I live with. <laughs> Sundays are not easy for Susie. She didn't just sit there and drink mint juleps while I'm preaching. She's, she's sweating bullets. She's praying in the spirit. She's prophesying over me. So thank you, too, for holding down the fort. And thank you, all the greeters and ushers, teachers, children's ministry, and staff for loving on God's people. Last week and all the weeks you do that. It's, it doesn't go without our, our appreciation and just we're surrounded by greatness. You're all better than I deserve. I know that. As a point of reference, that little ugly vinyl sign out there is not our permanent sign. I realize I haven't said anything about what we'd... Um, we had some volunteers. We, the city says if you want a new sign, you have to take down all your old signage. Now we're not being grandfathered in anymore. We have to catch up to speed. We want a more permanent sign out. We've got that ordered. It's supposed to be here in three weeks. Thank you, Jesus. And um, in the meantime, Jeff and Robbie, who I brought to this church on Saturday for our worship seminar, on Sunday drove right by our church, even though they'd been here. They said, Pastor, you realize there's no sign on here. Uh, a couple of our members heard that our building was up for sale even. I mean, you know, it's like, so I realized we need to get a sign out there quickly, and we did, and that's just temporary. And thank you, uh, uh, Brother Pastor Bud, for putting that sign up for us while I was gone. you just such a minister of God's great hands of mercy for us. So thank you. You did an outstanding job. So just FYI, it's coming. Hmm. In 2014, we embarked on a prayer journey, February of 2014. Um, it was Super Bowl Sunday, and we called it Super Sunday. I called it Super Sunday. We prayed for three things in February of 2014. Father, raise up and send us a youth leader. We didn't have a youth leader. Number two, that God would help us grow, especially by birthing new believers. Number three, we prayed as a body of Christ that the building project, that we would successfully embark upon a new building project to include dressing up our ugly stepchild, the gym. That was in February, elders, of 2014. By September 2015, God gave us Melissa Warwick. He'd raised up in our midst a youth leader. And God tapped her, and we knew it was her, and she was right here all the time, and God raised her up and gave that precious thing of God to us. We were averaging the smallest numbers we'd ever averaged in recent history in 2014 of February. We were averaging that year 111 people. The Meridian Rose was closed down. We had gone dark. People couldn't even get here. I knew it wasn't my preaching <laughs> when I went in prayer. <laughs> When I got in prayer, the Lord would encourage me. Finances had never been better, even at that time. We are now averaging 154 and growing quickly enough that Susie and I spent last week's vacation just brooding over God's girls growing up. And we're having to reconcile the fact that our little girl's getting ready to do bigger and better things, and we're having to change our heart towards the church. No, not our heart. 
We're having to wrap our head around how we're going to lose a daughter and still gain a son. These weddings are perfect analogies of you parents trying to reconcile when you give up your children. How do you give them up when you love them so much? Your relationship with them has to change. They must leave and cleave. But you know if you do it right, they'll bring grandbabies home. And everybody said? (laughs) And when you see your first grandbaby, you go, oh, my gosh, I would have skipped the first part if I known I could have had one of these. And that's the promise God's saying to the pastor of this house. Ralph, if you will let this little girl grow up, that may mean you have to give her to other men to lead, other life group leaders, other care group leaders, other conversation leaders, other worship leaders. You're going to have to allow them to marry other pastoral ministries besides you. When you're 111, you can know all the people, all the kids, all the grandbabies. I even know your dog's names. But then they have to leave and cleave to something And it changes our relationship a little when I can't know all of you by name. It drives me nuts. Susan, I turn and go, who are all these people? I want to know them. And Peter stood up among a congregation that was growing and said, this thing we're doing is not good. We're trying to serve you personally, all cabbage, and it's not working. A whole segment of you aren't getting fed. This thing we do is not good, that we're serving tables at this level. We need to change the relationship between us and what we're doing with the people. Our heart's still in love with the people. We still love Jesus. We're all still relational. But we need to share this people with Stephen and Philip and the other five deacons. Right? And all of a sudden, these widows weren't getting Peter and James and John anymore. But guess who showed up at the door? A guy by the name of Philip who could translate from one city to another. They liked Philip after a while. He was pretty cool. Stephen, who became a raging evangelist who everybody knew Stephen, and he was the one coming to your door now. Peter, James, and John had to change what they were doing to give the word and feed the people the word of God and to continue to pray over you and to begin to lead you. My little girl's growing up. And Susie and I spent time in a hot tub going, we're not ready for this. We don't want to see our little girl grow up and share her with other people. We want to love them all personally. But this thing we do is not good, and a fourth of you are going to starve if we keep doing that. Because a number of you have asked me, Pastor, I want to spend time with you, and I want to spend time with you. And when I divide 200 of you up with my week, Susie doesn't see me. I don't see me. I don't recognize my own hinder end at that point. It's just not good. Susie, Susie said, Ralph, if you died, it wouldn't be good for the church right now. Let's get it to where they celebrate when you leave. No, I'm just kidding. Because I'm doing so many things micromanaging, it's not good if I would fade. It is not good that I continue to serve in this way. And Peter had to say that. And the day came when his shadow healed people because that's all the time he had was they had 400 people lined out for prayer. And he walked by in his business meeting and his shadow started to heal him. He never stopped and laid hands on him. You know why? There were 400 on the street. And if he'd have stopped to talk to number one, 399 would have never got healed. And when your sick little girl is sitting there, you don't really care if Peter stops to talk if she jumps up healed, right? Amen, Jesus. This is all about Jesus. For whose sake are Susie and I even in this? It's for the sake of God, and you mothers know if you can let your daughter, you can let your husband go or son go get married, have faith, grandbabies will come home. This will be awesome. The church just went nuts when they finally allowed the deacons to be pastors over those Greek widows and those other widows. And it said in the book of Acts, and the church began to multiply. 
Which brings me to this. We're now averaging 50% more people in attendance now since our prayer. In 2014, we began the building project we prayed for during that time. And since then, the whole gym's been remodeled. God went ahead and went on into the basement. We've got new chairs. We've got a new stage. Over $100,000 additional renovations and improvements took place on top of the $1.2 million building project. And we currently have a brand new gym, brand new basement, brand new stage, brand new chairs. On top of, it appears that by the end of this year, our $1.2 million building project will be paid for. Yes, Jesus. God is daring his church to pray and talk to him. I dare you just to talk to me and ask largely. You have not because you ask not. Ask, seek, knock, and the door will be open. Ask, and I shall answer. Seek, and you shall find. And God's asking us to think big. Now, here's the reason we want to grow. Because God wants it. Do I need to say any more than that? Now, if I need to prove to you God wants it, I can easily do that because he's been working me over. Right now, the city of Meridian is around the third fastest growing city in the nation. Where are all God's kids going to go to church? Somewhere. Most of them in the existing churches that are already here. If all the unsaved in the valley right now went to church this morning, our churches could not hold the catch. Our boats would sink, our nets would drip. So for three years, God trained the disciples how to have full boats and full nets, and the nets not rip and the boats not sink. He's getting us ready to understand we can have the most relational, loving church in the whole world and still grow. And we all got here from a church that had 100,000 people in it in Jerusalem. Jerusalem church, they think, grew to 100,000 people. You can't do church at 100,000. Not on yourself you can't, but on Jesus you can do anything. Jesus can have a church of 100,000, and you feel special the whole time. I went to a school of 1,200 kids, and the day I got saved, I walked in there, and I knew he loved me more than 1,200 people. I don't know how he did it. This church can grow to 1 million, and you'll feel like the only one is the apple of God's eye. I don't understand how he does it, but you will be the most loved person that's ever walked the face of this planet. You're already in a world of five-some billion people. Have you noticed? Or do you feel special anyway? Come on. So God's up to something that's causing us to birth. And Susie and I spent a week on our anniversary just realizing that our little girl's growing up and us looking at the photo albums and the scrapbook of her little hair that was cut off back in 1982 when she was MGT. And here's, I was there when they built the gym. And I was there with Alan when we paid for a pew. And Susie and, Al, and another boy paid for most of it, but I chipped in $10. <laughs> and here's when I got married in this platform right here, Pastor Everett and Pastor Bert. And I've been looking at, the, at our scrapbook and little tears coming down my eyes as our little girl is growing up. But if it's done right, the wedding can be an awesome time. Yeah. And the birthing of the grandbaby could be better than anything you've ever experienced. And God's doing wonderful and marvelous things. 
We believe in two years we'll be launching phase two, Lord willing, and believing for another $1.2 million building project where we have two options, either dressing this up or turning this into a bigger sanctuary. We'll let the Lord decide in a year or so what that's going to happen there. But would you pray with us for the God's will? Why do we want to do this? Why would we let our little girl grow up and get married and grow and give us 15 grandchildren? Why would we do that? Who's going to pay for it? How will they pay for the doctor's bill? I don't know. I don't know. But for whose sake? For whose sake? For whose sake are we having church? For whose sake am I serving Jesus? Not my sake, Lord. Not my will be done. But thine be done. And the world was saved with that one prayer by Jesus. Can we be the church of Jesus Christ and have his heart and begin to pray, Father, if it's up to me, I don't want to go and drink this cup of sacrifice and change. But not my will, Father. Thine be done. Thank you, Jesus, for praying that prayer and me getting saved because of it. Amen. And every church that prays that prayer will save the world. And boy, does our world need saving. Turn with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 2, if you would, this morning as a place of beginning, <laughs> a place of continuing. Daniel, chapter 2, one of the things that God wants to share with the world through Legacy Church is the DNA that God has placed within our church. And guys, I want you to go back to that May 28th slide. Daniel is a type in the Bible of a man thrust out of the religious world, out of his community, out of his home, thrown into a very secular society and a very secular culture. But Daniel had the DNA of Jesus. He had the DNA of a God kid. God kids can go anywhere in the world and shine as a bright light. God wants us to get to the place that our kids can even go to public school and stay saved. Amen. Amen. If God calls you to start a private school, you can do it. Praise God. Start a private school. If God's calling you to that, the church will help you. We'll build with you. God is here to blow on your vision. But right now, God's kids should be robust enough to go into the world and take a secular job and take a secular position and not only survive, but we thrive in Jesus' name. For the world needs our story. They need our answer. They need our Jesus. We don't need what they have to offer in many senses, but God will give you their money and allow you to live on it. God will share you the good of the land, will be a part of you and your boss and your employer. They are blessed because they are blessing God's kids. It's not us against them. It's Jesus for the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten children into the world to go into Micron and the public schools and to the seat of government and into Hollywood, for goodness sake, go into Hollywood. And into the political arena, into the governing arena, into the international arenas. For God so loved the world, he gave his children, his church to the world. That whosoever should hear the story of his children should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, do you not know we are the light of the world? We're the salt of the earth. If we pull it out, where will the earth be salted? Jesus came to endue us with power from on high to be his witness. 
You are not wimpy little Christians. You are endued with power from on high to be his witness. Now, last time I spoke, I showed these pictures, and I thought some of you men miss you needed to hear it. This is the Dodge Demon, 2017, fastest production car ever been made in the history of man. This is the first production car, right off this, out of the factory that can do a wheelie, through two and a half feet off the ground, front end can come off the ground, shoots down the track in under nine seconds. It's now been banned from drag racing under the performance car regulations of the Drag Racing Society. They said you can no longer race production car Dodge Demon at our track. You're too fast. One of the largest engines ever put in a car. It's one of the lightest cars. It only comes with one seat. For a dollar more, you can get extra seats. <laughs> Pastor Bert would love probably to get a ride in that car. No, Pastor Bert would probably enjoy driving that car. With that car's purchase comes one day free, drag racing, car functioning training at a special track. And they recommend you take it because you won't know how to keep this car on the road if you don't. Wow. There's a car that's point one two eight seconds in the quarter slower than that car. It's this car here. Go to the next slide, guys. Anytime, guys. Go to the next slide. Shoot that car right off the screen. Right onto the next slide, guys. Go ahead. I'm ready. <laughs> this is the fastest car, the slowest slide in the whole world. The next car is, that's the fastest car in the whole world, right there. <laughs> okay, I've preached my sermon, let's go home. It's a family car, it's called the Tesla. Now, by the way, that last car cost $100,000, so does this one. They don't come free. This car is the fastest, second only to the Dodge Demon production car in the world. It's half electric half engine, or part. It's called a hybrid. This is really more how we're designed. Now, there is the third fastest car, which is just a smidgen slower than the other two, and it, the analogy drops down. Go to the next slide, guys. This is really the car I want right here. <laughs> Susie and I both fit very nicely in this car. For our anniversary, of 45th anniversary of the church, I just picked this up for Susie and I. Gray, white, red, we don't care what color, just whatever you... I don't think I'd want to pay the insurance on that thing. This is the Porsche, that Spider. No, not Spider. It's 918 something something. What is it? Matthew, what is it? It's a Spider. This is the Daniel car. I did all this to say this. The king brought Daniel before and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the spirit-filled men of God in the secular world. He brought them in with all the other world, and he found them to be ten times wiser, ten times better than what the world had to offer. This car costs ten times what those other two cars cost. This is a hybrid, big engine, electric motors, barely doesn't beat the Tesla. One million dollars. Ten times the expense, but an awesome car. This is you on Jesus. This is the church on Jesus. 
The world will find us 10 times more powerful, 10 times more attractive. You are, you know, the light of the world, which means you're an attraction, and you're attractive. When we stop being an attractive attraction, are we really being a light? And God wants to bring us to a position like he brought Daniel and the three Hebrew children. All right, guys, go ahead and go to today's series of slides. We've caught everybody up. You men can thank me later for bringing automobiles into here. <laughs> Daniel 2, chapter 1. Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar, reading out of the New King James Version. In the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is so anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut to pieces. Wow. And your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell me the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and the great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. Verse 7, they answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dreams, and we will give his interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would want to stall, to gain time, because you see that my decision is final and firm. I will not tell you anything about this dream. I want the interpretation without telling you the dream. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you, and let me repeat it. You're going to all die. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till this time. Up until now, you have deceived me. There's going to come a time when the world will realize if the truth isn't spoken to them, they're being deceived. All the magicians and astrologers and Hollywood and government and everybody, the voices that are out there will preach facts and answers and philosophy and justification and logic and it will finally come around where individuals, people, the world will see much of this as a big sham. It never gave them what they promised. Up until now, I realize you men have just lied to me. You really don't have a spiritual tune to what's really going on. You're giving me man's wisdom. I want something better than what you can come up with on your own. I want to know there's a reality of a spiritual being in this earth. Convince me that you hear from God. Take it up a notch, boys. The Chaldeans answered how you and I would without Jesus. There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. There's no man on earth that can answer the questions the mysteries of this world have to offer. There's not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king... Lord or ruler has ever asked such a thing of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. 
It is a difficult thing that the king is requesting. And there is no one... There is no one who can tell this to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Wow. Nobody but God, somebody who's not dwelling with flesh, can answer this. I'm going to go forgo the greeting time this morning because you're going to have it after service, okay? We're in the middle of something here and it's just too strong for me to break it. The world has mysteries rattling around in its little head and it's not letting them rest and it's not letting them sleep. And nobody's answering the mystery questions. And I'm in that world. And Susie and I have discussed some of these mysteries and questions and secrets because I can't come up with an answer. Things are going on in America right now that there is no pat answer for. I'm sorry, if you think there is, there isn't. When you really get down into the nitty-gritty and start living with these people, living in this deception and the facts that they live in, a pat answer doesn't fix it. I don't want your pat answers anymore. This thing's too big for your pat answer. I want... I want something bigger. Now, people will still have a choice to reject the truth once the truth comes out in their life. We all have a choice. But I realize as a Christian, the world is asking the church to step up to a new level. Give us a better answer than that. Let's keep looking at this story of America, I mean of Daniel. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men, it says in the New King James, or it says he began to, the process of killing them. And the church is getting killed right along with them. It's thrown in the same lump many times. Right, wrong, or indifferent. We're being criticized for our answers along with everybody else and, of course, some answers they like better than others. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men and they sought Daniel and his companions to also kill them. Then, the King James says, with counsel and wisdom, Daniel asked a question. That word in the New King James, those words counsel and wisdom, are also translated to mean prudence and discretion. And Daniel asked this question of the guard who was going to kill all of them or take them to be killed. He answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king... So urgent. Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel why there was so much hostility going on in the land. Why is there so much hostility that you and I are having to get off Facebook? Come on. Why did a lot of you get off Facebook? 
the hostility. The hostility. And you don't have a good answer to fire back at them. You just make everybody matter. I don't know if this is your experience, but this is mine. I don't, I'm not, I, you don't see me posting on Facebook. Until I hear from Jesus, I don't want them to hear from me. I'll just make them matter. There is so much hostility in the world today. From the government on down. And you know why? Because of the mystery. Do you have an answer? Yes, I do. Well, then take it out there on Facebook. See how it does. Or does it just kill more people? Make more hostility. You know, you're, you're the son of the Prince of Peace. Did you bring peace? Are you representing him? Really? Now, Jesus said, I, I didn't come to make peace. I came to make war. Yes. When Jesus comes into your life, it's a big war. Who's going to die? Who's going to live? And the kingdom does suffer violence. The truth suffers violence. But I got to be honest. I am not the brightest guy in the entire world. And right now, America needs the brightest guy in the world, not me. You can't select a president that works. We picked the brightest of all of us. Yeah, and we fought over it. And none of us were convinced the two we had were bright enough to solve the mysteries. And so we hate them. Because they didn't have the answer. Doesn't it surprise you there's not a man on the planet that can answer this tough question the world is posing? No world has ever asked of its king, of its president, to answer the problems that we're asking him to answer. Or her, it doesn't matter. I'm convinced no man would have fixed this thing. Now, if you don't have that conviction, get your guy in there, <laughs> please. If he's that bright, I think he'll emerge heads and tails above everybody. If he's that bright. I happen to think that Jesus is the only answer right now. I'm just going to vote for him. Jesus is still the answer today. Let's keep reading. So Daniel, verse 16, went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. There's faith. Then Daniel went to his house, his church, so to speak, and got the men and women of God around and made the decision known to Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek God for a merciful solution. Was there anybody in here with me that would love for God to give us a merciful solution? I don't care if you're right or wrong. How many would just love Jesus to come in and from the horse's mouth just speak mercy and fix this thing? Daniel went to the king and says, I know a guy who has the answers. I'll be back in a minute. Yes? He didn't ask for help. He didn't ask for special privileges. He didn't ask for government subsidy. We will bless you, king, with the answer because we have the answer. Amen. And you're smart enough now to see that the rest of it was a sham and you want somebody that hears God. You want a real answer this time. You're just cutting through all the phony stuff. And the world is asking, give us a real life answer. The church should stand up and say, 
we'll get it for you. But there's only one place we're going to find it, gang. In prayer. We need to get to, on our knees before the Lord and have him reveal the mysteries to us. Because this thing's a mystery. The king has sent out a decree, tell me my dream. Well, you got a secret, king. You've got a mystery. Let it, that's why it's called a mystery. They don't have a clue what the dream is. I don't think the world has a clue. They want the answer. And we're all dying because nobody knows the mystery. The church has taken a beating. The non-church has taken a beating. The left side of the church has taken a beating. The right side of the church has taken a beating. The left-wingers, the right-wingers, the in-betweeners, people that don't even call themselves anything but some other group, nobody's winning hands down here. It's all hidden in Christ. But we can tap the heart of God in prayer. I think Jesus is still the answer today. Let the church stand up and be the church. Let the people rejoice. Let his kingdom go forth in all the earth. And let's take Jesus out there. Let's take him into public schools. Let's take him into government. Let's take him into Hollywood. Let's take him into care groups, home groups. Let's take him into the home, the neighborhood. Let's take Jesus out there for the world is looking for real answers. And I know you don't have them. I don't have them. But I know somebody does. I'll be back in a sec. We're going to go to prayer. And we're going to seek the mercy of God for this mystery. That they might seek the mercies from God of heaven concerning this secret. For this answer doesn't dwell among flesh. It doesn't dwell among man. Heaven needs to come to earth and be Emmanuel for us. God with us. That they might seek mercies from God of heaven concerning this mystery, it says in the English Standard. This secret. So that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon... Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever for and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret and mysterious and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells in him there is no light outside of Jesus it's darkness and confusion and anger and hostility and loneliness for the love of God let's love on people for Jesus let's bring them the truth of Jesus but let's pray first so we know the dream of their heart Therefore Daniel went to Antioch with the king appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Oh my 
gosh, he let all the competition survive. He saved the known world as ratty as they were. These guys later come back on Daniel and try to kill him. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king his mystery, his interpretation on top of that. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Jesus who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Are you able to make known to me that dream which I have seen and its interpretation, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret, the mystery which the king has commanded, the wise men, the astrologers, or the magicians and the soothsayers cannot declare this to the king. The world needs to hear this. But we must bear in us the truth before we say it. But there is a God, Daniel says, in heaven who reveals mysteries and secrets. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. These dreams were so fraught in his head he couldn't rest, he couldn't sleep. Right now the world is trying to rest and sleep and we're having trouble finding it. They're very anxious over where things are going and how they're going there. And Daniel begins to lay out the dream to the king. And you can read that later or whenever. Daniel says in verse 45, The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. Wouldn't it be wonderful if somebody could really say that to our world? And in their hearts they know you're telling the truth. Because only they knew it. Until you said it. I've talked to men and women before and, and was lifted up in the Lord. I never feel closer to anybody than when I'm witnessing to them. And one of my buddies from college went away and got saved even when I didn't know he had. And I told you this story and I was talking to him on the phone. He said, Ralph, I said, Jet, I want to apologize first off for not giving you any chance to take a breath while we met. And he said, Ralph, every time I started to open my mouth, you'd answer the question I was going to ask you. I stood there with my mouth open time after time because a question would come to my mind, I'd start to ask it, and you'd answer it. You were answering my questions right before I asked them. The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit... Now, this is the problem with the church. If you want to play church without the Holy Spirit, you're just going to be a soothsayer. You're no better than the wise men of Babylon. You can be the smartest church in the world, and we'll consider you a wise, smart church... But the world needs somebody with the answer to the mysteries. And the Bible says when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, our very tongue will speak mysteries to God. That's Bible, folks. We need the Holy Spirit to answer these mysteries. You cannot answer the mysteries of the world on your little Dodge Demon. You need all four tires on the ground giving you all-wheel drive all the time and one that can take the family with you. It's not exclusive. The whole family gets to get in the family car and go faster than the speed of light. I mean, this is Jesus saying, I want to endue you with power. We are a spirit-filled New Testament Acts 2 church. 
And every church in the world ought to be that because they're the only ones that will begin to speak mysteries and understand mysteries to God. And it says that when you speak in your prayer language, you are speaking mysteries to God and God is really downloading mysteries into you so that when someone comes into the church, go to 1 Corinthians 14, guys. Look at this. I think this is, yeah, 24 and 25. But if all prophesy, this is what the world wants. Somebody speaking, thus saith the Lord. Not thus saith man, not thus saith Hollywood, not thus saying the religious right, not thus saying government, not thus saying Republican, Democrat, independent, thus saith God. But if all prophecy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the what? The secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among these people. This is exactly what Nebuchadnezzar said. Once Daniel got done with him, Nebuchadnezzar, go ahead, guys. <coughs> because Jesus has the real answers for life's mysteries. When people know that, how can they not know he's real? want to follow him. Go to the next. When we enter into prayer with Jesus, he will speak mysteries. Do you have some mysteries this morning? Maybe I'm not even touching you on a global scale. Maybe you're just your own life. You've got unanswered questions that have never been solved in your heart, never been resolved in your heart. I'm here to tell you that God has hidden in him answers for mysteries. Now, God's answers aren't man's answers. But many times on mysteries, God just reconciles in my heart, here's your attitude right now. Here's your attitude. Here's how I want you to operate in public on this. Here's what I want them to see. And a peace will come over you and you'll have enough answer more than you thought you needed. He doesn't always answer like we think, but speak to him about the mysteries. Go to the next, guys. Jesus is still the answer. Go to, go to the slide that has Daniel 2, 46 and 47 on it. When we prophesied to the world in prayer, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face. Does this sound familiar from the New Testament? This is a response when people's secrets and mysteries of their heart are revealed through prophetic. Through a prophetic church, a spirit-filled church, one that operates in power from on high to witness to the reality of... See, we're not just witnessing that the Bible is true. We're witnessing that you can meet God. We're witnessing, hello, so-and-so, meet my Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, you already know Bill or Don or Ted or Tina. And they meet God. And he fell down upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly. Susie got up in the spirit, not knowing what I was going to say today, and say the world's full of facts, you're full of facts. But when we hear the truth, it's sets us, it makes us free. And Nebuchadnezzar heard the truth and he said, truly, 
of a truth. Your God is God of all gods. Do you think the world needs a prophetic people? A people like Daniel, a people like Legacy Church, a people like a New Testament church, a Book of Acts church that actually can pray, touch God for mysteries, and speak secrets of people's hearts. Now, when I was sharing with Chet, I wasn't getting downloaded and go, boy, I'm being prophetic here. I never knew I was doing it because Jesus said, even in that hour, I'll give you the words to say. I thought I was doing it. But I was a hybrid car. God ramped up to a Porsche. And I didn't know it because it felt so natural. And yet God was supernaturally dealing with and through me in such a natural way. Gang, be bold. Speak as if you're an oracle of God, would you? <coughs> you know how many Sundays I stand up here and just feel like Ralph and I go home and I find out later you heard from God somehow? I don't know how you did that. Mainly, I don't know how God does it. How does God work with a guy? If he can speak through a donkey, he can use you. If he can crow through a rooster and convict Peter, he can use you. It's not your words. It's not how you say. It's that you say. Open the door so God can fill it. Walk so God can fill it. Step into the Jordan so God can stop the river. You're not stopping the river. Your feet are stopping the river. You're getting wet. You're stepping out there. But I'm telling you, we need to speak the word with boldness. The enemy wants to shut us up, but we need to become more prophetic. We need to speak more boldly before the Lord. And understand that even when you're being yourself, the facts are one thing. The truth is they are hearing from God somehow. I'm convinced that you say one thing and the Holy Spirit just downloads something else into them sometimes. Thank you, Jesus, for Legacy Church being here and hearing Ralph. Because you're hearing God as I speak. Your spirit is hooking up with Jesus. Right now I can feel it. And he said, truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of what? Mysteries. God is a revealer of mysteries. Who's going to tap in and ask God in prayer for some answers today? Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. For you have been able, he says to Daniel, to reveal something to me no man has ever been able to do. And Daniel rightly goes on and says, you know, King, you know God told me this, don't you? He didn't have to tell the king that he knew because no man could reveal. Legacy Church, are we going to have the faith to believe we can be God's kids in the earth today? Daniel died many thousands of years ago. Gee, I wish Daniel was here. Well, Jesus was better than Daniel. How many believe Jesus actually was even? Yeah, but he died and got crucified 2,000 years. He said, I must go away that I might come back and fill you with power from on high. You are filled. I've been talking to some of my unchurched friends. And it's like, don't they get it? And Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Why do you beat up a blind guy for not knowing blue from green? Why do we do that? Dumb non-Christians don't know, blah, blah. They're blind. Now, when a blind guy's coming down the street, you don't yell out your window, hey, you're blind, you dumb guy. Do unto others 
What would you want if you were blind? You know what blind people tell you? Don't grab my arm and lead me. Let me grab you and follow, right? Yeah. We, we don't know how to handle blind people until we talk to them. Have some compassion. Ask them questions. Why so much hostility? Why so hostile? What, what do you want from me? What would you like? Even if you don't think I can do it or any man, what would you like? If you, I, I use it, if you could wave a magic wand like God was real and wave a magic, what would you like? To get people's minds to think that there is a God, there could be a God, somebody could answer this. And I realize a lot of my friends are believers, they're theists, like Thomas Jefferson and maybe George Washington were theists. I hope I don't burst your bubble here, but when you really read about these guys who were very, they believed there was a God. Right. Yeah. They were theists. Yeah. Many of our American friends are theists. Well, I believe someday I'll go to the big, you know, hunting grounds and, right? I'll be playing Pinoc with all my friends in heaven, listening to Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. You know, I mean, I don't know. And I'll see God. There's no comprehension in most of my friends that there is a God who came to earth. That there's actually one walking here right now, and I have met him. Heaven couldn't wait for man to get up there. He, heaven came down here. Emmanuel, God is now with us. I get that. I live with Jesus in my head every second of every day. He's there. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Your unsaved friends do not know this. They believe they'll see Jesus someday. They don't understand that he's here now. For them and they could meet him long before they get there under much better circumstances introduce people to a living God and become prophetic and you can't do that on your own the fact is you can't but the truth is Jesus wants you to be his mouth because now Jesus fills up us up and I heard today we are the body of Christ you are the literal. Jesus will not speak many times to people at all without you speaking. You are his mouth. You are his feet. You are his hands. You are the body. Do you believe the scripture that says we are the body of Christ? That literally means you and I have to touch and hug people now. You and I have to speak as if we were speaking for Jesus. How bad does Jesus want to talk to that person at your workplace and he's trying to download into you what to say to him? He wants to speak so bad if you'll just tap into prayer, God will give you the He's been waiting to tell you something to tell him. And it'll just come to heart, it'll come to mind, you'll just be yourself and you just naturally blurt it out. Jesus spent an awful lot of time convincing human beings they could do this supernatural stuff. Come on. These things and greater shall you do. And every one of the disciples are going, not in a million years. You know the facts. When those 12 apostles heard Jesus say, these things you see me doing greater. What were the pictures in their mind? Jesus walking on the water, raising Lazarus, stopping storms, starting lightning, killing fig trees. I mean, they're going, yeah, like, right, I can do. How many believe Jesus is a big fat liar? Or is he truth? Not a word came out of his mouth. These things 
you see me do and greater. Do you not know you are the light of the world? You are the, you are the, you are the light of the Do you not know you are? He spent so much time telling him, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. You will not go alone. Please, somebody go. Somebody go. Somebody go. I'm with you. I'm with you. I will fill you with my Holy Spirit. I will endure you with very power from on high to be my witness. You are not going alone. Have faith. Be bold. Tell the story of Jesus. You hold the mysteries. Don't keep them a secret from the world. That's just plain mean. You have the answer. You have the mystery. And the world's going, I don't know. I don't know. Do you know? No, I don't know nothing. Don't ask me. I don't know nothing. Yes, you are being mean to the world. You're keeping a bloody secret that's so beautiful to yourselves. That's just mean when you could show them where the bread is. God loves you. He's not being mean to you right now. He's not yelling at you. Ralph's yelling. God's not yelling. It just became obvious to me. I'm going, oh my gosh, we're keeping a big... How do you like it when you walk into a family and there's a big secret? Tell me. No, we, can't. we can tell everybody but you. Just, we have a secret club where we do secret little handshake, little mystery handshake. You won't know them until you join us. Wow, that's just kind of mean, isn't it? When you know where the bread is to starving people. And then God says, if you will open your mouth, I will fill it. Have faith. Don't wait for me to show up at your workplace. We're getting too big. I can't even hardly say hi to you at church. You don't need me. You need the Holy Spirit. And he's there. Even to the, even to the end. Even to the end of the age. I am with you. Jesus spent a ton of time with great disciples convincing them they could do this thing. Legacy, go into all the world. Go into all the nations and preach the gospel. Making disciple of everybody. Everybody. Hmm. Will you just touch him in prayer right now? Hmm. I'd like the greeters, greeters and ushers uh, Sean and Spencer and Monica, I don't know who, and Gloria, whoever, maybe Kevin Abernathy, you could help. We have a box full of books that have been donated on how to pray. Some of you are new enough to God, you might be going, okay, Ralph says touch God's heart, touch his head, get into the present. How do I pray? I want every household to take a book today. It's called The Battle Plan for Prayer. If you are single and live in a house of a number of singles, every one of you get a book, okay? Talking about households being a man and wife, just take one for now. Per household, if we have extras left over, of course, you can get on Amazon.com, and God will provide enough money for you to buy another one if you want. This first one, though, is a gift. And I just want you to stand back there, Gloria, you guys. Just put them, go back there. When we dismiss, go back and get a book, because right now, I want you to just tune into God and hear what he has to say for you. And be courageous and have faith believing God has spoken this morning. Could you stand with me? Go ahead, Lori. Let's sing. And on your way out, every house, get a book. You alone deserve my worship. Yes, God. You alone deserve my praise. You
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this truth that was spoken this morning. Father, we just ask that we will not be just hearers of your word, but we will be doers of your word. That we will be a church that will go. We will go into every part of our world, Lord Jesus. And that we will, will pray in a way that we touch you. For we live under an open heaven. And we will touch you and we will receive mysteries and we will speak to those who are around us. Father, give us eyes to see those who we work with, who we go to school with, who we meet during the day, who are lost, who are looking for answers. And Father, give us the confidence that if we go to you, you have the answer for you are the answer. Give us hearts to pray to seek your face, to ask, and to receive. In Jesus' name, amen.